Praise God. I was excited to get here today to preach this message and help you. Help me. I preach to myself and then you can just listen in on it. Amen. Thank God for grace and faith. Hallelujah. With those two things, you can't go wrong. You can't lose. God's grace gives us everything. And then the faith of God helps us to um, really just claim those blessings and and make them a living reality in our life. Amen. And uh, it's so neat because it's like you're given a, a, a get out of jail card or whatever free you know, Monopoly. If you ever played Monopoly, you get a get out of jail free card. You know, we, we're out of from the bondage of the devil, sin, condemnation, guilt, and shame. Amen. And we just stand before God. Uh, he sees us as pure and holy and righteous as He Himself is. And um, I, I, you know, I, I tell Brother Hagen stories because he was, you know, so much a part of our lives and uh, for <laughs> forever, it seemed like for years and years, and uh, helped to speak into my life, uh, you know, publicly from the pulpit like everyone else. But also privately, I, I was blessed, and so was uh, Scarlett, uh, to be with him privately a lot, and uh, just things that he that he would say. But um, he he just he he really impressed upon us something about having a sense of righteousness and worthiness that God wants us to have. And he said the he had nine. Um, divine, let's see, how did he put it? Divinely granted appearances of Jesus Christ in his life. Nine times a face-to-face with Jesus. And he said the first time it happened that he fell on the ground and at his feet and said, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. And Jesus said, stand upright on thy feet. And he said, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. And Jesus repeated, I said, stand up on your feet. He says, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. And he said, yes, you are. I've made you worthy. And he said, fire shot out of his eyes like, don't anger me here. And uh, he got it. He got the message. And he thought about that. Now, what an insult it is to God's work and the finished work of Christ. You say, well, I think it's beautiful. It's humility. No, it's not. It's an insult to say that what you did for me is not enough and I'm still a dirty sinner and I'm still unworthy. And people say, well, compared to him and think of our mistakes and everything. And it's like, but the grace, see, that's why you need grace because the grace of God has absorbed all that. And, um, and, um, and dealt with it and cast it away far from you. Amen. So, sure, we make mistakes and sure, uh, we even have, uh, sin in our life and things like people say, I think there's sin in the camp. You go, really? Wow. What a revelation. Well, if there's people in the camp, there's going to be sin in the camp, but God's grace is greater than our sin. Amen. And, uh, he does not impute, you know, uh, even the psalmist David said, blessed is the man whose God does not impute 
his sins, you know. Amen. And it's just so hard. Religion has taught us to reject that. It's They call it candy-coated gospel, and they call it greasy grace, and they call it all kinds of things. Call it what you want, but the Word is the Word. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Now think about that, you know, Galatians 3.13. Christ is redeemed. This is not the message. It's just an extra little booster. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Really, you could translate that word curse, the judgment of the law, because the curse came because of judgment from the, the, the way that Moses' law was written. So you could say Christ has redeemed, boy, the, oh boy, I'm going to get some letters on that one, aren't I? Christ has redeemed us from the judgments of the law that would judge us guilty and condemned. So I don't know about that. Okay, I don't see any women with doilies on their heads. You know, we pick, it's called smorgasbord law. We pick and choose what we want to enforce, and the rest of it we go, eh, not so important. But that's not the way it was. And the law uh, said that if you miss it in one jot or tittle, in other words, the tiniest little bit of it, you're guilty of the whole thing. So you can't pick and choose. Well, we're keeping this, our group is keeping this part of the law. And look at those over there that don't keep that. Ooh, you know. You following me? So Christ has totally redeemed us from the judgments of the law. Why? Because he absorbed that judgment into himself. Folks, this is the gospel. Okay. Not a lot of shouting, but... Because sometimes people enjoy feeling crummy in front of God. It makes them feel, I don't know what, some kind of false sense of humility. But it would be an insult uh, to God is all about provision. It's all about his providing for us. Amen. And for us to go back and sling it in his face, well, I'm such a special case of screw up that, uh, you, you know, it doesn't work for me. And I'm telling you, that is the wrong spirit. It is the spirit of the devil to keep you from enjoying the blessings that God has. Anyway, I want to walk in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, don't you? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Amen. All right. So let's live in the blessing, accept it. And how about just instead of, Lord, I'm unworthy, how about, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for providing for me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and redeemed me and rescued me from the judgment and curse of that law. Thank God I'm not under the curse. That's a better testimony than, I'm so unworthy. Remember Chris Christopherson's song? Why me, Lord? Now, think about that. Just the opening to that song, Why me, Lord? It's not, not, it's not even about the Lord, it's about you. Me, 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 me. Let's have a worship and praise and me, me section. 
Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one? Come on. We don't need to be singing stuff like that. And it, 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 when it came out, everybody loved it and, you know, and how wonderful. Uh, and he got saved for five minutes and then I, I don't know what happened to him. But you do one movie with Barbara Streisand and lose your mind, right? But, um, you know, you just, you just think, you know, people love, uh, religious church, religious church loves wallowing in that stuff. And, um, I'm telling you, it'll defeat you at the time that you need faith the most, at the time that you need to believe in God's word the most, uh, all that stuff, Religious stuff is not going to help you. In fact, it'll make it worse. And then I've heard people say that's had trials in their life. Well, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know why the Lord won't answer my prayer. I don't know why this is happening. And it's like, okay, you're not in gospel land here. You're, I'm in the way, the bright and shining way, you know, the glory land way. You're not in the glory land way when you're thinking like that. You're in something else. You're in a alternate gospel. And I am sorry to say that the alternate gospel worldwide is preached more than the pure gospel. And what did Paul say about that? What does he know, you know? Anyway, what did Paul, the apostle Paul say about that? He said, if any man preach another gospel to you other than this one, let him be accursed. Wow, that's some strong language. Well, I've been cursed by the best of them. I've been cursed by the best of them for um, preaching the pure gospel. Well, poor David. Anyway, big deal. But I just am saying, you know, the Bible also says, if God be for us, who can be against us? But... um Let's get to the message. Mark eleven twelve. I don't know. I get off on grace and righteousness and who we are in Christ, and I can't do anything else because it's the best. And we need to be reminded because we religion is in the air molecules all around us, I'm telling you. They should have warning stickers on the doors of Christian bookstores that say, Warning. Some of the products in this store could be hazardous to your faith. <laughs> you know, you got people that are, that are sick and defeated and writing books and saying the Lord did it to them to teach them a lesson and, and they got a butterfly on the cover so that makes it holy. Come on, people. Amen. I'll tell you what, if I'm reading a book and it gets into dead works, I throw it in the throw-out pile. Well, somebody might like that. Well, they don't know. That's like saying, here's a bottle of poison. Oh, don't get, don't throw that out. Somebody might like that. Who, Dr. Kevorkian? Come on. Okay. Off of that and onto this. Mark 11, 12. Now, today I'm going to talk about talking 
using your words as authority, changing things with words. This is not about prayer. Now, listen, you know we are all about prayer here. And we have, you know, prayer segments uh, on Sunday, and we pray on Wednesday night. And we're going to do more praying this year. I've decided we're going to figure out times to have more times of prayer. So praise God. And everyone, you can go check the archives if you want. The last few uh, services, we have done a lot of teaching on prayer. And we're going to continue to. Amen. And we're going to pray. Saints pray. Praise God. That's what we do. However, prayer is not the only action that we need to be taking to walk in victory in our lives. We need to start using our words and commands that's not necessarily prayer, but it's walking in your authority on the earth as God has granted us to do. So sometimes, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get a little imbalanced. We'll put a, such an emphasis on prayer that people say things like, well, I pray about everything. And it's like, well, okay, generally speaking, that's good. But some things, if you know it belongs to you and you have authority, you start speaking to that uh, the same way that Jesus talked to trees. So now we've got Jesus here talking to trees. And I'm going to tell you a testimony of a man that uh, that was also an early mentor in my life, a minister, who talked to trees and got results from it. So I'm today we're talking about talking to it, because that's what the Word says, that Jesus spoke to it. So anything that's an it is subject to your authority. You can talk to money. You can talk to cars and dishwashers and and uh, vacuum cleaners and toasters and equipment you use for your job and things like that. You can speak to it. Brother Copeland spoke to an airplane door. So I just want to encourage you today, amen, to use your faith and use your words of faith to change things in your life. Anybody here need a change, an upgrade, an upstate, or something, you know, better? All right. You can, you can talk to your body. And you can talk to your body parts and command them to function. Praise the Lord. Mark eleven twelve. In the morrow, on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, so it's alive, he came, if happily, he might find anything thereon, in, in, in other words, implied to eat. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. It's not fig season. <laughs> Amen? And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee, Hereafter forever. Now there's a sore spot right there because if you go and know what the fig tree represented, he's talking about the mosaic uh, system there. He's talking about 
yeah, he's talking about the Mosaic law system. And so there's a lot there, but that's not what this is about. But anyway, there it is. And oh my, you want to open a can of worms, get into that. But it's true. That's why we don't need to go memorizing the law and try to figure out how to keep it. Uh, Because Paul said, if you, again in Galatians, Paul said, if you try to keep the law, then you're you're under the curse. You put yourself under the curse of it. I don't want to get under that curse. Because if you read the curse in Deuteronomy, it's nasty. I mean, it's every kind of disease and gross condition Stuff you don't even want to read before Sunday lunch. I mean, it's bad. You know, and groping at night and blind and, I mean, everything. It's every illness. And then it says every illness not listed in the book of this law, those will come on you too. So it's total curse. I don't want to be under the curse trying to believe that. I want to believe in the finished work of Christ and give honor to what Jesus did. Glory! Any shouters in here? We've all gone Presbyterian. I love Presbyterians. They just don't shout much. Jesus answered and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Now, we're, so we're not going to focus on all the types and shadows of that. We're going to focus on his command to the tree. I love that it said Jesus answered. Now, I didn't know the tree asked a question. What did he answer? Why does it say he answered? Why why does uh, the Bible say that he answered? Well, because the tree said lack. The tree spoke lack in the sense of I'm going there, I'm going to be satisfied, I'm going to eat some figs and fill my stomach. Instead, he goes there and all he's got is leaves. So the, the, the fig tree made a statement. You will not be satisfied today from me because I have no fruit. So Jesus answered that lack with, I curse you. <laughs> I love this. This is exciting. Because if your checkbook says, you won't eat today from this, you can curse it. Curse, you don't curse the checkbook, but you curse the lack that it's representing. Or some other thing. Or your body is saying you're not going to enjoy uh, life like you should because this uh, vital organ is melting down and that one's not working. Enough. And you can speak to those body parts and say, lungs work, breathe in Jesus' name. You can speak to your liver, you can speak to your heart, your kidneys, whatever, your pancreas, I don't know, whatever it is that needs spoken to, you can speak to those things and command them to work. We are not talking about prayer here. We're not talking about talking to God. Notice Jesus didn't get everybody in uh, joining hands around a circle and singing Kumbaya around the tree. Or even having a prayer meeting in front of the tree. Or laying hands on the tree and anointing it with oil. No! He (laughs) spoke. Only thing he did is one statement. Do you think Jesus understood something about authority on this earth? 
take dominion. This is about dominion. Rod Parsley kind of stole that word from everybody, dominion, but it's a good word. I wish I, I wish I could preach with the fervor. I mean, he like screams, blood comes out, you know. Rod Parsley, what a blessing. But he's always, he used to be on TV, I think a lot more than he is now, but it was always Dominion Camp Meeting. Dominion, you know, he's always talking about taking dominion. That's a good message. Praise God. We need to take dominion in Jesus' name over Anything that's natural, anything that, so because we always are dealing in the spirit realm, we're talking about the move of the spirit and in Holy Ghost land, and that's right. Amen. I'm, I'm right there. But at the same time, we do live in a natural world. How many know you need actual, like actual money in your bank account? How many know you need, <laughs> right? You can't go to your, your, People that you owe money to and say, I have a word from the Lord for you. Well, they might have a word from the devil for you. And so you can't, you can't just, people say, I just want to live in this spirit all the time. Well, you can't. That's ridiculous. You got to take a shower, brush your teeth and shave. Men and women need to shave. But I'm just saying that, uh, we don't, we don't just, we, you can't just live in the, even Jesus didn't just live in the, in the spirit. He ate, he was hungry and he wants to eat, right? He was tired and he would sleep. Amen. And he didn't just fly around, you know, on a broom or something. But, I'm telling you, he would, you know, all, all, all that a, a normal physical man would need in his life, that was the same with Jesus. He was an actual man. He didn't just fly around. Well, uh, and live, you know, walk in the, some people, they say some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. That's the truth. Some people are so earthly minded that they're no heavenly good. So you want to find a balance with that. But we're talking about walking in authority and dominion, not only in the unseen realm, but in the seen realm. And see, we've just kind of abandoned the seen realm now. And we're going to all float around in la-la land. Well, great. But uh, we need to also take authority over what we have dominion and authority over. Praise God. So, Jesus said, uh, unanswered, and said unto it. Now, here's his big spiritual statement. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. That's all he said. I love it that it says, he said unto it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If it's an it, you can talk to it. Talk to your car. Talk to your appliances. Talk to your 
checking account and your savings account. Talk to, talk to uh, anything that needs to happen or you want to happen. Talk to it. Um, and it's, it's just hard for us to break the habit of talking to the Lord about it instead of talking to it. Amen. Well, you can talk to the Lord about it too if you want to. I'm not trying to shut down your prayer life. I'm just telling you, pray all you want, but at the same time, speak as well. Let's do both of these things. It's okay to say, I pray about everything. Amen. But then speak to stuff too that needs to be spoken to. And then once you've spoken to it, don't go undo it. See? When you think about that thing again and say, well, I already spoke to that. I commanded it and it has to obey me. It. I-T. We could name this the it factor. Or like Paris Hilton, you know, was the it girl in New York for five minutes. If you're the it girl in America, you only get to do that for like five minutes. And then somebody else comes along and they're, they, they have more it factor than the last one. The it, the it girl. They call them the it girl. She's it. She's all it. Well, if it's an it, talk to it. All right. Now let's see what happened. So, verse 19. When the evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Well, you know, I've preached on this before. You know what I'm going to say. That it's very rare that even if, even in a dry place like New Mexico or Arizona, if you pulled the tree up from the roots and laid it out, in, in the uh, in in the open air, it's it still wouldn't be dead the next morning. For this tree to die that fast, and it's dried up from the roots. The I mean, it is cursed. It is dead, dead, dead. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. So let's just unpack this a little. So what what Peter was saying is, wow, look at this miracle. Look at this amazing, you know, thing, result of what you said. All you said is no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and now look, the thing is dried up. How And, and you know, it, the question is obvious, how did you do it? How, how, did, how did this come to pass? How can this possibly be? Praise God. Jesus said, well, I've just used the God kind of faith. Well, what kind is that? Without going through all the scriptures that we go through on Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he, it's it's, uh, you say with the mouth and believe with the heart. Say, not so much pray in this case, but say with the mouth and believe with the heart that what I say comes to pass. Now, Jesus is saying this here, then the famous verse, uh, for have faith in God, you know, he says, have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God 
or the kind of faith God has. Well, how do we know that's the kind of faith God had? Well, because if you read Genesis, God said and it was so. God said and it was so. God said, you know, and then you'd fill in the blank with the next verse, and it was so. God said, and, and, and it happened, and it was good. Now, good in the Bible doesn't mean like we have, you know, poor, fair, good, and best, or whatever. But good in the Bible means it's as good as it could ever be. So when God said, you know, the land separated from the water, he saw the light, and it was good, I mean, it's and the sun and so forth. In other words, he was saying it's as good as it can be. It's perfect. All right. So uh, the fig tree which you curse is withered. How, do, how, how did you do this? God, Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. And then verse 23, for verily, verily means, verily is not your aunt. It's in the Bible. Aunt verily. Verily means I'm, this is really important what I'm saying. This is, this is like I'm serious now, see? So like this is like verdad, you know, or whatever. I mean, this is like important. Verily I say unto you, like, like listen up, that whosoever, not just me, because see, they could have gone with, well, he's the son of God and he's, you know, the Messiah and he's got special powers, you know, great. Uh, but where does that leave me, Mary Smith, on 3rd Street with the polka dot Sunday school dress? See? But it says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, even. Now, uh, other, like in Matthew, it says, this Mount of Olives. So he's talking about a specific mountain. I'm going to tell you about that mountain in a minute. Say unto this mountain, even if you said to the mountain, like you think the fig tree's a big deal, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed, and, and I think it says in Matthew, be plucked up. Be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. This is all about saying things. Two things. Saying something to something. Now, they, they say in Israel that... The Mount of Olives, ha- uh, uh, they don't know when it happened, but there was apparently, uh, you know, millennia, a couple of millennials ago, millennia ago, they said there was an earthquake under the Mount of Olives, and it has a fault line right in the middle of it. And that if, as time went on, if, if that fault line continued to, to, uh, you know, settle or whatever, that half of that mountain could absolutely slide on a slab to the sea. I think when Jesus even said it, he, he understood dominion and authority so much that even when he said it as an illustration, it happened. That mountain is cut in half. Now, you can't see it. It's not a canyon or something. But whatever, there's a scientific proof. Isn't that wild? So I have the David Horton version of Mark eleven twenty three. Want to hear it? And it goes this way: For whosoever shall say, and then I have fill in the blank, shall say what needs to be said. 
to bring victory to your life in that area, all right? In fact, back up and say it this way. Whosoever has the courage to say what needs to be said. Because it's not, this is not about faith as much as it is about courage. In other words, do you have the chutzpah? To say what needs to be said. Well, how much faith do you need, do you need, brother David? You need enough faith to say it. If you can say it, and if you're scared to say it, write it down and read it out loud. Woo! Whosoever shall have the courage to say what needs to be said. And you, and, and, uh, shall not doubt in your heart. Now what is it you're doubting? I'm going to show you. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So, uh, did you know that you do not have to believe Independently that that one thing, try to, ha- try to believe that independently that one statement you just made uh, is gonna come to pass. You have to just believe that everything you say comes to pass. Based on what Jesus said. Jesus said, everything you say and, and believe in your heart shall come to pass. It shall, it'll come to pass. I just have to believe that what Jesus said. Now, how difficult is that? Not, 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 not at all. Because is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus tempted in all points yet without sin? Is Jesus um, a believer in His Father? And the answer is yes. Nobody has a hard time believing that. You can ask. You can take a. Pulp, there's a Catholic church. You can throw a rock and hit it right there. You can go ask them right now. Do y'all believe that Jesus has a problem with faith? They'd say, no, are you crazy? They'd stick your whole head in the holy water thing. Water bored you right at the Catholic church in holiday. What's wrong with you? No. Go up and down the street. The Baptist, there's a Baptist church over here on 54. There's, you know, I mean, there's, there's churches everywhere. And you ask them that question, they'd all have the same answer, no matter what they believe about what else, you know. And yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus was down with whatever he said. You know, it was good. Well, he said that whosoever shall say and not doubt in their heart, but shall believe, will have what he says. So that's what I've got to believe. Say, well, what about the faith of Abraham? You know, he believed specifically for that baby. No, he didn't. He, the Bible says clearly in Romans 4, he believed that what God had promised he was able to perform. That's, that's where he focused his faith. 
if you can focus your faith to whatever God promised He will bring to pass and that God's Word will not return back to Him void. If you can focus on that, then you can claim everything. You can curse cancer. You can claim you can claim healing for heart disease. You can claim money when it looks like they're going to take your house. You can do all kinds of things because you're only believing that what God has promised He's able to perform. And we make it hard on ourselves, so us faith people make it hard. But well, I've got to believe that I receive, you know, three hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars and sixteen cents, you know, to save my business. You don't have to per, per se believe that particular thing. It might be hard for you. But what I can believe is that what God's promised He's able to perform and that God's Word does not return void. And when I speak the Word of God over the 300 and whatever, I I have it in Jesus' name. Because of that, not because of me and my great faith in my words, but that I've not, it's not faith in my words, it's faith in Jesus' words. Is this helping anybody? Glory. So you should start talking. See, never, if you're going to get in an automobile to drive anywhere, even to Publix, never curse your car. Why would you do that? Well, this old piece of junk. I'll be surprised if it doesn't break down the middle of the street. Well, why would you get in that? Call Uber. If you feel that way about it, don't ride in it. It's dangerous. Right? Don't don't use the word damn when you're boarding the plane. I'm going to get on this damn flight. Don't know. Christians don't normally talk like that, but I mean, there's a, you know, take the religiousness out of it, and there's a practical reason why you don't want to call what you're going to fly in at 38,000 feet, damn. Because damn means doomed. I told you there was this guy who had a business deal with real estate thing in Tulsa, and he would always walk in and say, well, I'll be damned. And I finally said to him, if you don't stop saying that, you are. You're cursing yourself. Stop saying, I'll be damned. I'll be (laughs) blessed or something. Find another word. Even if you're mad. Well, I'm going to board this blessed flight in Jesus' name. Don't call it a damn flight or a damn plane or, you know, I'm going to eat this damn food. I mean, come on. That's not the way Christians should talk anyway. But you understand what I'm saying? Like the literal meaning of that means cursed. That's why it's called cursing. Well, the Bible says out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be. Why? Well, because we want to be holy. No, because you want to be smart. Don't curse your food. Don't curse your house. Don't curse your air conditioning system. Don't curse your hot water heater. Don't, you understand, don't, especially something you're going to ride in at 70 miles an hour down the street with all these other people from Brooklyn and New Jersey running you off the road. Because they will win. 
the New Yorkers will win. They will prevail and win. And you'll be off the ramp on 275. I'm telling you. So, you know, don't go out there and, and curse your car. Is Every time you ride in it, bless it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for this car. It's got a good engine, and it's got good brakes and tires, and it's going to get me down the road. Praise the Lord, and back home safely. In Jesus' name. Amen? People curse their neighborhood. I can't believe we just live in hell over here. Well, stop calling it hell and start calling it heaven. Praise God. We are, my street's blessed. Why? Because I live on it. <laughs> Amen? And if I, wherever I live is blessed. I don't live in curse. We got to get this cursing stuff out of our system and start blessing everything we have. Say, well, you're just bragging. You, you right. You are dead right. Right? I am bragging. I'm bragging on the finished work of Jesus and what it did for me. I'm blessed. Everything I have is blessed. Everything I have lasts as long as I want it to last and need it to last. And I'll bless it if I sell, sell something. I'll bless it to the next person. Amen. Now, thank God that bucket of bolts is gone. One lady, one lady said uh, to me in, in, in pastoring in Alabama years ago, she said, my aunt, she's talking, she said, my aunt, uh, she, she, uh, had this car, Buick, that, you know, probably needed to be replaced, but she's still driving it. She said, these brakes are going to be the death of me. Well, uh, her, her niece that was in the church, she said, I told her, you know, auntie, don't say that. Don't say that. You know, that's a bad confession. She kept saying, you know, one day she put, she went to apply the brakes and they failed and somebody hit her and killed her. Say, well, that's coincidental. I don't think so. You keep cursing yourself. The trouble, Jerry Savelle said this, the trouble is people say, well, faith isn't working. Yes, it is. The trouble is it works too well. And then we, you know, we talk about things falling apart and then it does and then we go, I don't know why in the world, why is the Lord allowing me to go through this? Well, the only thing the Lord could do, then they come to you and say, would you pray? No, I'm not praying. Why? It's a waste of time. <laughs> and breath. Now, I don't actually say that, but I think it sometimes. Would you, pr I can, I can think whatever I want. What do you, <laughs> pastor pray. I, the only way I pray, I got this from Rodney, you know, in Tampa. Rodney said one time, Howard Brown, he said, I pray that your tongue cleaves to the roof of your mouth so that you can no longer speak curses about yourself. That's my prayer. How do you like that one? They go, I don't want to have that. I don't want you to pray that. Well, praise God. <laughs> it's what the only thing you can pray. Well, I have a tape for you. It worked better when we had tapes, cassette tapes. I have a tape just for you. It's gray and it's on a roll. It's called duct tape. 
and you can just wrap it around your head about four times and you can, things will get better by themselves if you stop cursing yourself. Well, one story. So I was working for Brother Norval, you know, and Crystal River. I realized the other day, this is 50 years ago. I was 17 years old. 50 years ago, I'm with Brother Norval in Crystal River. He's got this motel, uh, kind of like the Bates Motel, you know, from Psycho. Anyway. So, Norval had this horrible little motel that he owned. He was so proud of it because he said it's on 19. There's a lot of things on 19 that are not so great. There's great things and not so great, you know. But anyway, this motel's on 19 in Crystal River, and it was just awful. But anyway, we're I'm there helping him. I'm working in the, a summer, you know, driving him around and everything. Because I like, he had always, he always had a new Cadillac, and I always enjoyed driving him, you know. So I'm, I'm 17 years old driving this Cadillac for Brother Norville. And uh, one day, the weather, like this weather we just had, the weather, there was just like horrible this is 1970, uh, what, 74, 75. This horrible cold front comes through central Florida and is going to kill all the orange trees, uh, Indian River fruit, you know. It's going to kill all the orange trees and, and the grapefruit and lemons and limes and all that. So it comes through and, uh, it's coming, it's coming, you know, like, like the day this happened, it's coming that night. Well, Brother Norval says, David, drive out here. He shows me where. We go out there, and we're on the dirt road, you know, by the orange grove. And there's, he's got this huge orange grove. It's like a square mile. I mean, it's huge that he bought this orange grove, and he's selling the oranges to wholesalers, you know, for Indian River fruit. So he's he's got this. We drive up, and there's these beautiful green trees around, you know how they are, with the oranges all over it. I mean, they're just almost ready to be picked, but not quite ripe yet. And they're saying it's going to kill. Not only the oranges are going to drop and freeze, you've ever seen that, but the orange trees themselves are going to die. So Norval doesn't say any of that. That way, I'm just giving you the background. This is what was happening. So Norval just says to me, David, get in the car and drive me. He tells me where to go. We we go across the dirt, you know, and everything. And Cadillac will go any, those Cadillacs will go anywhere. You know, they're like no four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, four-barrel carburetor, Corvette engine. It'll go anywhere. Seven miles to the gallon. So we're driving across this, this, uh, in a Coupe de Ville, we're driving across this dirt. <laughs> I love the story. Driving across this dirt, and he he stops, and there's this nice grove, and he says, stop the car. I stop the car. He says, roll down the window. He's, I mean, I'm doing everything. Electric window. They, they, had, they made a sound. And then... He points, without saying a word to me of any explanation, he points to the trees, and he says, and then he cups his hands like this, he goes, 
all trees belonging and oranges belonging to Norval Hayes, listen to me. I forbid you to freeze tonight. That's it. He didn't even add in Jesus' name. He didn't add any. He just talked to the tree like Jesus talked to the figs. Only it's reverse. Jesus is cursing them. Norval's blessing them. Then we roll up the window and he says, let's go get a blueberry milkshake. Because there was this stand in Crystal River where you could get a blueberry milkshake. And uh, that was it. No more discussion. Long story short, the next morning, it was the most devastating day for citrus growers in Central Florida. I mean, you know, they're pulling the trees up. They're burning them. They're clearing the ground. It's horrible. They're saying it's going to take 20 years to regrow, grow this grove. And people's, you know, life's fortunes were down the tubes. I mean, it was a bad deal. Except the news agency reported, and Norval had me drive back out there. His trees are fine. His oranges are fine. They said it was a microburst weather pattern phenomenon. No, it wasn't. It was Norval talking to his trees. He owned the trees and owned the oranges. He said, now, David, I can charge more for my oranges because there's a scarcity and I can make even more money. Nothing wrong with that. That's the market. Praise God. So another time, when I first went to work for Norval, I mean, nobody did this better than him. I'm telling you, nobody. I went to work for Brother Norval, and I was, uh, you know, like a year before that, I was about 16 years old, and I'm going to Cleveland, Tennessee, to work in his office. And I told you this story before. His his um, secretary, Mary Lou, she's she's uh, Baptist. She said she was Baptist. She wanted the whole world to know she was Baptist. And uh, Baptist first, Jesus second. But she said. I'm Baptist, and you know, I don't believe like Brother Norval, because she's scared to death of tongues and everything. So anyway, I, she says, now, Norval will be here in a minute. He told me what time to be there. He said, I'll be there a little shortly after. She, Mary Lou will show you your desk and what you're going to do to help in the office. I said, okay. So I go there, and she says, now, David, she says, I just want to warn you, Norval does this thing every morning, and I just want to you know, you'd be aware, not freak out. I'm thinking, God, what does he do? It sounds horrible. You know, is it legal? I don't know. You know, what is he doing? Uh, is it moral? Well, I don't know. It sounds scary. So she said, I said, well, what is it? And she says, you'll see, you'll see. I just, I can't even, I can't even begin in tennis, tennis, Cleveland, Tennessee accent. She says, I can't even begin to describe it, what he does. And I said, well, all right. So he comes, he saunters in. He sauntered everywhere. Brother Hagen called him a turtle in the swimming pool because he looked like a turtle, you know. He'd be at some church to preach and service would start and everybody says, well, where's Brother Norval? It's, you know, seven o'clock. We'd start the service and be about 7.30 and 7.45 and said, send, they'd call his hotel room and 
nobody there, and they'd send somebody over to the hotel to find him, and he's in the swimming pool. He said, Brother Norville, it's 7.45, and they're, they've sung that last song three times. And, uh, oh, is it that late? Well, I'll be over there. So he finally show up. The turtle. So he turtles into the office, and he walks over to Mary Lou, Bab- Baptist Mary Lou, and he says, open the books. Now, you remember, they had ledger books in those days. Uh, you know, you put the hands under, you know, these giant, how many remember those big ledger books? You know, you're, or you've seen them at the Museum of Dinosaurs, you know, and stick your hands under there and, you know, fold the whole thing over and find the day, a little marker. He says, uh, Varsity Engravers. Now, that was his company, one of his companies he owned. Um, they, they sold um, stationery and class rings and stuff like that to sororities and fraternities all over the country. So he had teams that went and did that. So he he's, he he opens the book and and uh, I'm just standing there and Mary Lou's standing there and Norval's standing there and she he says where's the balance for this business balance not just the checking balance but the business balance for this company and she puts her finger on the page now when she does she kind of winces and pulls back I'm thinking is he going to hit her or what. He goes, that's it right there, that number right there. Yeah, she's got one eye, you know, and I'm thinking, this is it. This is the weird thing. I just had a sense that this might be the weird thing. Well, I saw, because I'm standing there, I saw the number. It was 34,000 something in red ink, I mean red pencil with red brackets. How many know that's not good? That means that far in the hole. In other words, you gotta have $34,000 to get to zero. I've had people say, I've been in such debt before, I've had people come to me and say, Brother David, I'm down to zero. And I've said to them, how'd you get there? I need to know. Because <laughs> zero looks good when you below zero. I said, <laughs> praise God you should preach tonight. This lady has found the answer to how to get to zero. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> anyway, I said, uh, Norval says, that's the number. Mary Lou goes, yeah, and she's wincing, pulling away. And he, he puts his hands on it and raises his voice like to shouting level and goes, you're a liar, 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 you're a liar. Wouldn't that be funny if somebody came in here while I'm doing that? They would say, that's one of those Pentecostal churches where they chant in tongues, you know. Sounds like Islamic. You're a lie. But he did this on and on and on. And then he stopped and he says, okay, thank you, Mary Lou, and heads to his office. And she looks at me and she goes, like, that's, that's it. That's what I'm talking about, the weird thing. So I saw this man who saved his orange trees in a freeze, talk to 
penciled numbers on a sheet. He actually talked to the numbers. Now, folks, I'm a witness. It works. Brother Norval later was interviewed on CBN. That was kind of a big deal back then. Uh, 700 Club. They brought him in, and they showed the news reports and showed the photographs of this phenomenon, this miracle. All done by speaking to an it. Does that help you today? How many has got a list of things you want to go talk to now? I can see everybody going home. I'm going to talk to my cat. Lucy needs something. She just does her own thing and acts big about it. I don't know. Anybody else got a rebellious cat? I'm telling you, they are. They have an attitude. Praise the Lord. So if you're if you're if your checking account isn't meat isn't cutting it, talk to the numbers. Praise God. All right, let's pray. Those of you that are watching on live stream, we thank you for joining us today and trust something was said that will bless you. Take this message to heart and practice it in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, those that are sitting in the sanctuary here or watching on live stream. Lord, I thank you for touching them. I thank you that your healing power is working. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and growths and and um, unhealthy cells to wither and die, give up in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your healing power. Those that have a uh, mental illness or some kind of, a, of, a, of an emotional need, we thank you for meeting that in Jesus' name. We curse all words and thoughts that are not from you in the name of Jesus. Father, those that have material needs, I thank you that this week you will show yourself strong in Jesus' name. Be healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. God bless y'all. Let's sign off from the Internet and here in the church.